Hello, beautiful mama, and welcome to the Nourishing Mama podcast. St. Catherine of Siena said, Be who you were meant to be, and you will set the world on fire. Mamas, our job is one of the most important jobs on earth, and also one of the hardest. We don't all start out as the moms we wanted to be, but what if we took this challenge as seriously as the world tells us to take our careers? What if we laid out a plan of preparation so we could show up ready to fight the good fight and become who we were meant to be, the very heart of our homes? If you want to take motherhood to the next level, to prepare your mind, body, and soul for the enormous task at hand, you are in the right place. I'm your host, Kelsey, and I want to teach you to nourish yourself so that you can nourish your family. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Nourishing Mama podcast. Today we're going to talk about why we lose our calm and what that means. I hope you're enjoying the beginnings of fall weather. I've been loving all the cozy rhythms and routines of the fall, the hot drinks and we light a fire and I love to snuggle up with my kids with books in winter, but I'm actually not a fan of cold weather. You can't garden much in winter and everyone who knows me knows my garden is my happy place. I also love my alone time and something about being indoors so much with other people, especially I have um, two kids who are pretty extroverted and that gives me a bit of claustrophobia after a while. Can any of you relate? So it tends to be the season when I struggle the most with parenting. Anyway, anticipating that season coming up, today's episode is all about calm parenting and why we lose our calm. And it's really interesting how much this has to do with our body as well as our mind. Do you ever have times where you know you are not handling things well, even though you really want to? For me, I struggle a lot in certain circumstances. And one of them, maybe you can relate to this, is when my kids are fighting. It's definitely the time where I'm most likely to do something like yell at them, even though I don't want to be a mom who yells. Do any of you have situations like that? Do you notice times where you regularly fall into what I'll call reactive mode? I actually think this is one of the beautiful things about parenting. There's nothing like it to bring out baggage and show us what inside of us still needs healing. I'll tell you, before I had kids, I was an amazing parent in my mind, totally in control. I mean, really, I thought I was going to be amazing. I used to nanny and work as a camp counselor and I had, you know, all my babysitting, you know, certifications and everything. And I was, I was good at those jobs, but it's a huge difference when it's your own kids, because first, when you watch kids as your job, they always go back to their parents at some point and you get a break to refresh and reset. And second, you don't have any personal ties to the success and failure of the kids. Now, I mean, as a healthy parent, we should find a way to free ourselves from what isn't in our control too. But I, I think there's just so much more pressure when it's your own kids. You know, if your kid turns out to be a bully, nobody blames the nanny, but they look hard at the parents and say, hmm, what was going on there? And I just don't think there's anything that can really prepare you 
for parenting, except for a lot of humility. Parenting is such a gift to break us out of our illusions, isn't it? It gives us a, a real opening to see what inside of us really needs some work and places where we can grow in virtue. So we're going to dive into an overview of how our brains work and how we can harness that information to be less reactive and more intentional parents. The goal is not to eradicate our feelings or ignore them because I believe God gave them to us for a reason and they give us clues about what we need to work on and what we actually need to experience. But it's also important to build a skill set that lets us get to a place of calm again if that would serve us better. It's important to be able to get to where we have a choice about it, a choice on how we feel, a choice on how we act. So here's the thing. I know when I take time to think about and plan how I want to parent and then follow through, I do so much better. But that requires my brain to be working in the moment. Then I can follow my plan and use my knowledge and meaningfully connect with my kids in a way that teaches them. But the problem is there are times when, as a mom, we can't do that. And that's because our brains have a special mode they switch into under some circumstances that shuts down higher level thinking, the logical part of our brain. You've probably heard of this mood. It's often called fight or flight, but there are some other reactions too, like freeze or fawn. And um, you can spend some time looking that up and thinking about what you are most prone to. Um, if you feel like you're reacting in anger a lot, you might be moving into fight mode. If you just kind of freeze and let the world pass you by or don't do anything, freeze mode. If you're, um, you switch into people pleasing, that's fawn. Um, flight would be like if you, the kind of person who, when things get overwhelming, you just kind of have to go away. You have to leave. So there's, I think there's a few others as well, but you know, look into it and think about it and notice what you do, because that's going to be a clue for when you are in this mode. And so these are the things we do when we perceive danger. In the context of parenting, there are times where this is really useful and makes perfect sense. Like when our kid bolts into the road, we should get this fear response so we can get an adrenaline rush and superhuman speed and get them out of danger. Mama bear mode is really useful when there's actual danger. But sometimes our brain switches into this mode when there isn't any real danger. And that's when we switch into reactive parenting. And some people call this being triggered. So today we're going to go into an overview of common triggers and then dive a bit deeper into those in future episodes and into what we can do about it. But for now, I just want you to listen to this list and think about when you find yourself in reactive mode, see if you can think through what might have been the trigger. And this list should be helpful for that. And we'll talk about what you can actually do about it if you don't want to be triggered. If you, Not that we can stop ourselves being triggered, but what you can do when you recognize that and you want to get back to a place of calm because you realize there's no real danger. The reason I, this information is important though 
isn't just because we need to know what causes our behavior and feelings. It's because there are ways to decrease how often we are triggered or how long we stay in fear mode. And fear is a whole body response. We have to address it that way, not just mentally or spiritually. It stresses our bodies out and it builds these paths in our brain that we more easily follow the more we do them. So if we want to change it out, we have to work on it as a habit. We have to decrease the overall stress load. And this can also improve our health as parents, our children's health, and teach them how to bring themselves back to a place of calm. And understanding our triggers is so helpful because when we catch ourselves in reactive mode, we can look at our kids or our circumstances and say, it's not you. I'm having a moment here and I need to figure it out and whether this is an appropriate response. Because what I want you to get out of this is the knowledge that our reactions belong to us, not our kids, and are something we can change. And we can change the overall level of stress in our life. And it's not easy. It's not done all at once, but this is one of the core secrets of calm and intentional parenting. Now, just a quick disclaimer, this is not health advice. I am not a therapist. This is just parenting information from what I've learned over the years and in my research. But if you want to dive deep on a personal level, there are professionals out there who can help you. You don't always need them, but you might find it makes your parenting journey so much better and easier if you do. So what are the most common triggers? First, there are things in our past, top of the list, and probably the most well-known is trauma. So there is big trauma, like PTSD, but also little trauma. And this is when our body stores memories on a physiological level. We might not even consciously remember the root cause, but something situational in our environment sets off a fear response in us. Maybe we hear a loud sound or smell something, and our body, in a way, flashes back to a situation we were in where we were hurt or really frightened. Even if we don't have that visual memory pass into our mind, our body still remembers. It could be from a time we were humiliated, even. Any strong negative experience can cause a trauma response. Your heart races, your breathing speeds up, you might get tunnel vision, you might have trouble speaking or hearing or thinking. It's really rough. Your body feels like you are in danger and it can be hard to assess our situation logically and figure out if the danger is real or not because it feels so real. And this is one of those things where, especially at first, we may have to think back to the time we reacted and analyze whether it was rational. And then if it isn't, have some curiosity around that. I, I would really encourage you to look at these things and any time where you were triggered without judgment. It's not your fault if it happens to you. But you can take responsibility for what you do with the knowledge once you identify what is going on. And if you have PTSD, this is one where it is absolutely so amazing to get help. Another trigger from our past could be a time where we were hurt emotionally by someone. And that leaves us feeling unsafe around certain people. Have you ever noticed 
Being around certain people can raise your reactivity level. This is worth tuning into. You need to understand yourself, why you feel unsafe, and whether there's something you should do about it. Sometimes we realize it's irrational and we've made a big deal out of something small that needs forgiving. But sometimes we realize there's actually a huge problem and we need to make some changes to our side of that relationship, usually with solid boundaries. And as an aside, I just want to be clear. Setting hard boundaries isn't a form of unforgiveness. You can completely forgive someone and still recognize that they are not safe for you or that the relationship is unhealthy. You may even in some cases need non-contact because unsafe people are real and you don't have to be hurt over and over and over again. What you want to do though is be curious about your relationships and reactions and discern your path forward carefully. Relationships are tricky. It's great to get a neutral third party like a counselor or a therapist to help you examine them. You don't even need the other person to go with you or anything. And in many cases, maybe you shouldn't, but you can get some outside perspective on it and figure out what boundaries you could put in place to keep you safe or whether you have something that needs forgiving. And that really leads me to the next topic, triggers that come from our present circumstances. So an example of something that might be going on in the here and now could be crossed boundaries. And a cross boundary can feel a little bit like seeing a stranger in your living room unexpectedly. It feels really invasive, wrong, unsafe, and out of your control. Boundaries are the healthy walls we put up for self-protection. See, the world is not entitled to all of us. We have the right to choose what parts we open up and to whom. So what does this look like? For me, a cross boundary might mean when a kid doesn't respect my bodily autonomy. Like if they climb on my lap after I've said I'm all touched out and need some alone time. You know, age appropriate, of course, a two-year-old's not going to have the ability to recognize that. But like, let's say if my nine-year-old did that, that would be breaking a boundary that I can set reasonably. So another, if let's say someone other than my husband and I steps in and disciplines my child without asking me or feeds them junk food, we have some allergies in the family. So this one is a huge trigger for me. A small one, could be someone ringing the doorbell when I have a sign posted on it saying the baby is napping. It could be someone volunteering you for something like bringing a contribution to the bake sale without asking. All these things are where someone is crossing a boundary and doing something they have no right to do. So when our boundaries get crossed, we feel powerless and unsafe. That's very triggering. And it usually comes out in an anger response. In fact, when I am angry, it's so often a result of a cross boundary that that's the first thing I look for to figure out why I'm triggered. Then there are also environmental and sensory triggers. So these can be things like loud sounds, squeaky sounds, annoying sounds. You're following on the sound thing, right? Lots of people have sound triggers messy environments, 
itchy clothes, being hot, cold, or wet. Everyone has these. I think sometimes we weren't meant for the sensory onslaught of modern times because the sensory load of all the background noise and lights and everything can be so much. I really sometimes feel like the Grinch saying that, you know, the part where he says, all the who's down in Whoville with all that noise, 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 noise. But, you know, for some people, this is actually amplified to a level of physical pain. And that's, you know, people who have things like sensory processing disorder and other challenges. And I'm actually going to go into it uh, not too deeply here because we're going to dive in with a specialist on this topic um, in one of the next few episodes. But, you know, be aware as the holiday season approaches, this is more relevant than usual, both for you and your kids. All the overload of the lights, the crowds, the smells, these can really set people off in a way where they don't feel safe on a subconscious level. Their anxiety level can be so high, they're so easily triggered. So notice that. Notice the stimulation around. So those are the triggers that could be going on around us and things that might be from our past. But we can also be triggered by our worries about the future. For example, we may see our kids throwing a tantrum over not getting ice cream and think, my kid is growing into a spoiled brat, or they're never going to stop doing this. They're way too old to be throwing tantrums. What on earth am I going to do? My kid's going to be a horrible teenager who thinks they can always get their way. So these are the thoughts that we have that are fears of the future. We take a present moment and we project it out like it's going to be that way forever or what we hope for is not going to happen. And Dan Siegel, I think that's how you say his last name. That's how you can tell I read books, but I don't always listen to things. Um, He wrote the book, The Whole Brain Child and many other amazing books. He calls this shark music which I think is such a great term. You know how in Jaws, the music always plays as the shark approaches, so you know it's getting scary. So it's like that. And the threat isn't even right now, and it might not even be true, but it brings out this fear response in us and we react to it. So, so often, When we're really feeling like absolutely miserable and reacting to our kids, it's just because of these fears of the future. And it's not helpful. It's not helpful to how we act in the here and now. So, okay, I want you to, you know, add that to the list. Again, do not judge. We're just noticing our reactions and the reason for them, because that's when we'll be able to do something about it and we'll be able to process through it. All right, so last one, I promise, last one. I know there's been a lot, but the last one I wanna get into today is a scarcity mindset. Scarcity mindset is whenever there is a time where we feel like we're running out of something. So that could be time, money, energy, Anything where you feel like you're running out or there won't be enough, it causes us to contract 
and fall into that same fear response. And I think the most common one of these is time. When we're running late, we do things we regret. We snap at the kids to get their shoes on and buckle their seatbelts. And, you know, just generally get into that mode. And it feels like all the careful planning and thinking we've done on how we want to act as parents with the pressure of scarcity just flies out the window. So I know too, like if you've ever been stressed about finances, scarcity fears can also be money related. Like when a kid forgets their jacket at the park, you might blow up at them because, you know, money signs flash into your head and you freak out because a new winter coat wasn't in the budget this year or something like that. Or they break something, same thing. So that's really hard. That's really hard. All of these things are really hard. So at this point, you might be thinking, okay, well, this is all very well, but this is also something that I have no idea what to do about because all of these fears feel really valid and it's frustrating. And sometimes I feel like I have to react. And I don't even know, you know, what I can do about that. So I just, I want to free you from doing anything about these things right now until we dive in a little more. Because the point of understanding our triggers is just to be aware of them and curious about them. Because when we want to parent with intentionality, we have to figure out how to handle and process our subconscious fears. And when we notice we are in a fear response, we can do something about it. We can do something in the moment to calm down, but we can also do something in the long run to decrease the frequency and degree of fear responses in our life. And finally, this isn't really, this isn't directly a trigger, but I want to put out there that it's important to note we are way more easily triggered when we have raised levels of anxiety or depression or when we haven't been healthy. Like for example, lack of sleep and nutrition lowers our threshold for handling all these things. We might not be triggered if we got a full night's sleep. So foundationally under all of this, managing our health and our mental health is huge. But managing our triggers can also help manage our health and our mental health. It's again, it's that upward cycle. So what can we do about that? I'm going to open up that conversation here on the podcast. Don't forget, you can message me over on Instagram at Nourishing Mama Podcast. Send me your thoughts. Send me your questions. I want to hear them. And I'm so excited to continue this conversation with you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening today to the Nourishing Mama podcast. If you found this episode helpful, would you do me a favor and drop a review so that we can be found by other moms like you? If you found this podcast helpful today and want more actionable tips and day-to-day strategies, head over to my Instagram account at Nourishing Mama Podcast. Please feel free to message me there with any questions and I'll try to answer them for you.